The Rebbe's Man in Mathematics, Professor Paul Rosenblum. Over the past few years, the Der Herr magazine has presented several profiles of a unique genre of chassidim, the Rebbe's professors. Everything that exists in the world can be used for the benefit of Kedusha, and that obviously includes higher education. Indeed, over the years of the Nisias, the Rebbe was Mikar of a number of high-profile professors and scientists, and guided them in using their positions of influence to spread Tyra and Yiddishkeit. This should not be confused with the Rebbe's strong and unequivocal opposition to college attendance. For a comprehensive review of the subject, see the article, How to Make a Living, What the Rebbe Says About College, in the Derher of Sivan Tafshin Einzein. One such individual was Professor Paul Pesach Betzalel Rosenblum. A quiet and unassuming personality, he was not very well known amongst the Nash. One notable schuss he had was to work on a manuscript of the Rebbe's brother, Rabbi Yisrael Aryeleib, at the Rebbe's personal behest. This stemmed from a discussion about this project that took place during the Fabringen of Yud Shvat of the year 5735 and was recorded on video for posterity. Achsidish Adrahar sat down with some of his friends and family to hear about his and his family's unique connection to the Rebbe. We extend a special thank you to Rabbi Moshe Feller, Rabbi Herschel Akhenava Free, Professor Rosenblum's son-in-law, Mr. Eli Maggie, his son, Mr. Lee Rosenblum, Rabbi Tzvi Freeman, and Rabbi Zalman Baumgarten. Early Beginnings, Mr. Eli Maggie. My father-in-law grew up in Philadelphia but he settled down in St. Paul, where he found work at the University of Minnesota. His first connection with Lubavitch was with Rabbi Shlema Aaron Kazarnowski, who would visit Minnesota on fundraising missions from Lubavitch in New York. But that connection was minor. When the fellers arrived on Shluchas from New York, they took it to a new level. He was a very interesting individual. He had the ultimate curious mind. He was brilliant and learned languages very well. Whenever he visited a place, he would read the local newspaper thoroughly to be able to talk to people about the issues that mattered to them. One year, he was on a sabbatical at Princeton where he spent time with Albert Einstein, and they would ride to the university every morning together. On the other hand, he was exceedingly humble and very absent-minded. He couldn't drive because it would have been way too dangerous. He once returned home in a taxi and instructed the driver to pull up at the yellow house on the block. However, my mother-in-law had just repainted the house white, so they circled the block several times until my father-in-law was able to identify his own home. One time he was in a yechidus for several hours, and the family began to get worried that he had been kidnapped during his ride through crime-ridden Brooklyn. Rabbi Moshe Feller the story of our connection to Paul, or as the Rebbe always addressed him in his letters, Pesach Betzalel, was actually a small miracle of the Rebbe. During our Yechidus, before our departure to Minnesota in the year 5722, the Rebbe gave us a one-of-a-kind directive. He instructed my wife to join the Department of Mathematics at the University of Minnesota. She had a prestigious degree, and the Rebbe felt that she would be able to utilize it for spreading Yiddishkeit. At the department, she found a job working for Professor Rosenblum, who was working on a program called Minimath, 
a very successful math curriculum for children. Professor Rosenblum was a world-class professor. He would counsel the United Nations and other international organizations. Although he was a prominent member of the Jewish community, we first met him at a function of the Jewish community. He knew very little about Yiddishkeit. We recognized how prominent he was, so my wife was glad to work for him, and I also made sure to build a close relationship with him. We became very close friends when his children were young. I carpooled them every single day in the summer to our day camp because the professor didn't drive. He was too absent-minded. They were very appreciative of the gesture, and we began to spend a lot of time together. Over a short period of time, they strengthened their Yiddishkeit in a drastic way. I bought him tefillin, and I kashered his kitchen, and they began observing Shabbos, and we studied Chumash Rashi together. I saw from the outset that he was a spiritual person and a phenomenal keli for Yiddishkeit. His first inspiration for Yiddishkeit came from the lectures of Professor Abraham Joshua Heschel, who spent a semester in Minnesota. Professor Heschel was a prominent figure in conservative Judaism, who descended from a Rebbe background, and was a well-known orator and writer on Jewish topics. When I told the Rebbe that the professor viewed Heschel as his mashpia, the Rebbe responded, Mir artnisht as svedzayn shnaim eich I don't mind if there will be two people talking at the corners. The Rebbe also told me that Professor Heschel himself, although associated with the conservative movement, was actually an observant Jew in his private life. Rosenblum was a very refined person, and he had a brilliant mind. About half a year after our initial meeting, I realized that he had to see the Rebbe. I had already given him everything I had to offer. My own, quote, brilliant mind and knowledge of advanced mathematics wasn't going to cut it. I was confident that the Rebbe would take him to the next level. I called Rabbi Groner and said, I have a world-class professor, and I need a yechidus for him immediately. Very politely, Rabbi Groner responded, Maisha, I could give him a slot in two and a half months. That wasn't good enough. I decided to go over Rabbi Groner's head and to write directly to the Rebbe. The answer I received was classic. There is no purpose to put in great effort to have people see me. Instead, bring him to a farbringen. It was a proverbial slap on the hand, but I actually got what I wanted. A few days after he attended a farbringen, I received a call from Rabbi Groner. The Rebbe would see him immediately. I wasn't wrong about my hunch. He had a lengthy echidus and was totally taken by the Rebbe. The Rebbe's knowledge of mathematics made a profound impression on him. During the conversation, Professor Rosenblum mentioned a certain famous math professor, and he was shocked to hear the Rebbe remark, I attended his class in Berlin. The Columbia Chabad House Rabbi Feller The Yechidus with the Rebbe gave the professor the push that he needed. However, several years later, Minnesota lost him. He was, quote, kidnapped by Columbia University in Manhattan, a more prestigious institution that offered him better terms. The university provided him with an apartment on campus, and his home essentially became a campus Chabad house where many students became closer to Yiddishkeit. Mr. Lee Rosenblum
It was interesting to see how much my father enjoyed teaching Yiddishkeit. While his expertise was mathematics, he had a particular passion for long Hasidic tales, which he would tell over with relish at our Shabbos table. Many people grew in their Yiddishkeit tremendously at Columbia. For example, one secular Jewish student from Sweden once noticed me running around with tzitzis on campus. He approached me, and I introduced him to my father. They became quite close, and over time he made a complete return to Yiddishkeit. He married a Lubavitcher Balashchiva from Boston and raised a beautiful family in Muncie. Rabbi Tzvi Freeman Professor Rosenblum's high standing in the academic world made a big impression on me during my first steps towards Yiddishkeit. I first encountered him during a mathematicians conference in my hometown of Vancouver during my first year of university in 1974. Four dynamic Merkez Shochem, including Rabbi Yossi Hecht, now from Eilat, happened to be visiting the city at the same time. Yossi Hecht made a deep impression on me, and I spent a lot of time with him. It was the first time I saw, quote, black hatters with beards. However, while I felt a genuine pull to them, I didn't identify with them at all. I couldn't converse with them about politics or world history. It felt as if a gulf divided between us. This is where Professor Rosenblum made a difference. He was a classic, absent-minded professor who spoke science, mathematics, logic. He spoke about quantum physics and about his conversations with Albert Einstein as a young man at Princeton. Yet he was profoundly religious. This is what told me that Yiddish guy could be relevant to me too. That's when it clicked. You could be intelligent, well-versed, and educated, and still be a chassid. This is ultimately what encouraged me to travel to the Rebbe and to join a yeshiva. One of his sayings, which he often repeated at the Pagishas, made a big impression on me. The Khartoum Parai, he would say, were forced to acknowledge the powers of Hashem during Makas Kinim because they couldn't impact items that were so small. The same is true of modern-day science. We could explain everything down to the atom. But who created the atom? There is no answer to that. Mr. Rosenblum The Rebbe would always encourage my father to write more papers. Sometimes, the Rebbe would ask for a new paper as a birthday gift. Often, he would bring those papers to Yechidus, and the Rebbe would peruse them and comment on them. Often, the Rebbe would ask various questions about the footnotes. My father was often surprised by the Rebbe's knowledge of the content of those sources. Mr. Ellie Maggie I once got a call from my father-in-law. Guess who we had over for lunch, he asked. The Rebbe's niece, daughter of Rebbe Sir Ayulev. My mother-in-law had received a call from 770. How would you like a guest for lunch, they asked. The Rebbe's niece is in town. She had been on a visit to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe had suggested she meet my father-in-law, perhaps to, due to her own interest in mathematics, or due to his involvement in publishing her father's work. My in-laws were very honored by the Rebbe's gesture. Another interesting story that comes to mind. My in-laws once traveled to Paris for a math conference, where they visited the Shulchan there, Reb Shmuel and Basi Azimov. They were wonderful people, but not very wealthy. In Yechidis afterwards, the Rebbe asked for a report, and my mother-in-law said that she felt bad 
that their mattresses were small and worn out. When the Azimos were in a Yechidus later, they were surprised to hear that the Rebbe had detailed knowledge of what was going on in their home. Being near the Rebbe Rabbi Feller Once he was transferred to Colombia, they had the opportunity to be much closer to the Rebbe. Many Shabbosim and every Yomtev were spent in Crown Heights. Within a short time, the professor began to grow a beard. Rabbi Bumgarten Professor Rosenblum and his wife would often spend Shabbos and Yomtev in my childhood home in order to be close to the Rebbe. I recall that on Erev Pesach, he would drop off his stuff and rush off to 770 to receive matzah from the Rebbe. Most people would receive just a small piece of matzah, but the Rebbe gave Professor Rosenblum two matzahs, and his son, a boy my age, would receive a whole one as well. One year as my father passed by on the line, the Rebbe asked him, The professor is staying by you? My father nodded, and then the Rebbe broke out into a wide smile and handed my father an entire matzah. Nu, as der Eirech kriegt der ganze Matzah, for was soll der Bauerbass nicht kriegen der ganze Matzah? If the guest received an entire matzah, why shouldn't the host receive an entire matzah too? The professor had a special power to be Makar of people because of his standing as one of the top 15 mathematicians in the world. On one occasion, he happened to be stranded in Montreal for a Shabbos. A result of that Shabbos was a new Baal Tshuva, whom he impacted by virtue of his expertise in mathematics. I also remember some humorous incidents. For example, at the Shabbos table one week, we had begun the meat course while he was still busy with his soup. At some point, he commented to his wife, Rivel, I don't understand. No matter how much I eat, my soup isn't finishing. Paul, his wife said back, if you would eat with a spoon instead of a fork, you would make better progress. Another incident. Every Friday night, my father would repeat a sikha after the fish course. One week, the professor was quiet as usual, and we proceeded through the soup course and began the meat course. Suddenly, he boarded out, wow. It took me a moment to realize that he was still thinking over the sikha my father had repeated a while earlier. Mr. Maggie I would join my father-in-law at the weekday Fabrengans, where we would sit on the podium behind the Rebbe. However, my Yiddish wasn't that good, so my father-in-law would repeat the entire Fabrengan to me during the subway ride back to Manhattan. Besides the Rebbe's general vision about his influence, the Rebbe also gave him many specific suggestions and instructions. For example, the Rebbe said to contact firms like Bell Labs, a major research and scientific development company, which have an interest in mathematical research, to get funding for his work. That was something that actually happened. The Rebbe also told him to do work on curriculums for the schools in New York, but that project ultimately became too political for him to continue. The Professor Ke. Mr. Rosenblum. My mother also had an exceptional relationship with the Rebbe. He would refer to her as the Professor Ke. It was almost like the Rebbe was our family member. She was the only person I know who felt comfortable enough to ask the Rebbe for anything, and the Rebbe in return always responded very graciously and warmly. Whenever the Rebbe would see my mother in the street, he would stop and talk to her. Their yechidism would usually be hours long, and Rabbi Groner would be beside himself, trying to get them out of there, but the Rebbe would never let them leave. 
The Rebbe once suggested to my parents to draw up a will. During the next Yechidus, my mother mentioned that the lawyer had told them to appoint a legal guardian in the case of the death of both parents. I didn't know who to put down, my mother told the Rebbe. Is it okay if we put your name down? The Rebbe agreed. So in a sense, therefore, the Rebbe was the potential guardian of me and my sister. My mother was one of the founders of the free organization, and the Rebbe actually named it in Yechidis with her. I feel that her work in free brought this special connection to the Rebbe, when the Rebbe saw her sincerity and her dedication to his work. There were several organizations that helped Russian immigrants settle in apartments, but they didn't provide any home furnishings. So my mother rented a large synagogue basement on the west side of Manhattan and filled it with furniture and clothing, which she solicited from major companies. And every Tuesday, families would have the opportunity to come and receive items free of charge. Her workforce of volunteers was made up of her Upper West Side friends, many of whom were multimillionaires. It was always an interesting sight to see the women's come chauffeured in their Cadillacs and then roll up their sleeves and get to work for my mother. In fact, my mother wanted to move to Crown Heights, but the Rebbe instructed us to remain on the West Side to be Makar of the families with whom she and my father had a relationship. My mother tragically passed away at a very young age from a very sudden illness. When she was in a coma, I approached the Rebbe at Mincha and informed him of the situation and saw tears in his eyes. I asked if we should give her an additional name, and the Rebbe instructed us not to. When she passed away, we informed Rabbi Krinsky. He was also very close with my parents because he knew about the Rebbe's close relationship with them. My father didn't know how to proceed, so Rabbi Krinsky helped us a great deal and even arranged a burial spot very close to the aisle. Mr. Rosenblum There were three people interested in my father's success. My father himself was an introverted professor who had a great passion for his work in mathematics. He didn't want fame or fortune. He just wanted to be able to pursue his research in an impactful way. My mother had a different outlook. Seeing his brilliance, she was motivated for him to become well-known because it would generate a larger income for him and she would be able to use the money for her tzedakah pursuits like free. And the Rebbe had a different perspective. The Rebbe wanted him to become more famous and successful because of the Kiddush Hashem it would affect. Being a world-class mathematician, one of the most famous ones alive, yet also an observant Jew and a Hasid. Indeed, many families became closer to Yiddishkeit due to his inspiration.